0: Thank you, Scott. If we can open our Bibles, like Scott said, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 7 to 12, verse 8. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, all that comes Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high. The terrors are in the way, the almond trees blossom, the grasshoppers drag itself along, and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, and the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Thank you, Bob. This is the word of the Lord. We welcome uh, Reverend Burnett this morning to the pulpit. He's not a stranger to us, so God bless you, mate.
1: Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to church. Great to have your presence here to enrich our time together. Let me pray as we come back and look at this uh, text In the continuing series in Ecclesiastes, better with age, stepping off on the right foot, and staying there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, we pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit to come with power and conviction, Father. We pray these things, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, an old chap is looking back over his life he calls himself the preacher or the teacher now he's not living in the past as some do already he's warned us that it's not wise to ask why the old days were better than these the truth is they probably weren't but anyway if you live in the past you're pretty useless for the present now he's actually critiquing his past He's making his observations, uh, looking especially at his failings and his, his folly. He's drawing out lessons to pass on to you and to me. His name is, of course, King Solomon, King of Israel. He wants us to avoid his mistakes, very painful, very costly, very regrettable mistakes. He talks about a life largely wasted you get just one life and he's saying get your life off on the right foot and stay there so our first point is that solomon does get off on the right foot he steps off on the right foot he had a very privileged and a godly upbringing a rather unenviable upbringing born into the household of israel's greatest king king david son of david david's son and when David died, Solomon was anointed as his successor. God appeared to him in a dream, saying to him, Ask whatever you want, Solomon, and I will give it to you. So clearly he's a man that God loves. And, and Solomon, recognizing humbly recognizing his own limitations and the gravity of the task of ruling Israel, God's people, he prays, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, even though I am only a little child. Actually, he was 20 years old at that time, but he saw himself in the light of the magnitude of his task as a little child. And he says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. Now, unlike many leaders before and since, Solomon does not ask for health, wealth and happiness and the death of all his enemies. He asks merely for wisdom to be a good king and to be a good leader of God's people. Not surprisingly, God is pleased with that prayer and he replies, I will give you a wise and discerning mind so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be moreover i will give you what you have not asked for both riches and honor so that you may in your lifetime so that in your lifetime you'll have no equal among kings and if you walk in my ways keeping my commandments and statutes as your father david did i will give you a long life so solomon reigned over israel from 970 down to 930 bc a 40-year reign It was the most illustrious and peaceful and glorious era in Israel's history. You've got to read about it to believe it. So in this book, written at the end of his life, why is he lamenting that much of his life has been meaningless, a a vapour? Well, point two. Solomon, what have you been doing? Now some of you will recall that the 1960s was the era of uh, space exploration everybody was trying to explore space and uh, we burnett boys all six of us were right into the space race up on budrum at our farm we had a we had a set of cow bales where we used to milk our house cows but beside the cow bales there was a room it was a room that wasn't being used and my oldest brother turned it into a place that we called the lab, meaning the laboratory. He stocked this with chemicals that came from, don't ask him where, but they came from somewhere, and we had this great array of chemicals. And there we learned how to make hydrogen, which is uh, all the go again these days. And hydrogen was used by us to actually launch balloons up into the upper atmosphere, manned balloons, or manned by grasshoppers and skink lizards <laughs> but as with so much space exp- exploration one day it all went wrong the the hydrogen recipe which includes by the way sulfuric acid somehow the recipe overreacted we put it in a bottle we put the balloon over the neck of the bottle and as the balloon filled it would pop off and it all was well but this day the the reaction was just phenomenal and this stuff was bursting up bubbling up right into the balloon itself and we saw what was coming my brother and i raced across to try and tie the balloon off and at that moment it exploded in our faces and we our faces are just peppered with stuff and sulfuric acid i staggered out of the cow bales across the paddock to where we had our cow cows watering trough one of those great big iron pans from the old budrum ginger factory i think they're still uh, budrum sorry sugar mill which is still at the pioneer cottage i just buried my head in there and kind of just washed it around but came up and i i could barely see my eyes were clearly burnt so we're both a mess where faces are all red our clothes are tattered i can't see a thing i'm buffing into stuff and we go back up to the house and my mother she pulls out one of those little sayings from the mother's handbook what have you been doing we gave her the typical son's answer nothing (laughs) well what has Solomon been doing to get into the state where he describes much of his life as meaningless the word again is just sort of vapor like those mists that appear in the early morning and they're gone he's been doing something because he comes up with one of those most profound pieces of wisdom ever heard remember your creator it's urgent remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of of evil come and the years draw near of which you will say i find no pleasure in them he's speaking from personal experience what has he been doing in his middle years well in those years we could probably describe solomon as a backslider he begins so well with god god answering his prayers god getting him to raise the build the temple but then somewhere along the way he falls away his reign was peaceful and prosperous because Israel which is God's church nation has made peace with all the surrounding pagan countries all those warlike neighbors of theirs Solomon would establish peace treaties and then seal it by marrying the wife of the foreign king cool brings about peace but he ends up with 700 wives and 300 concubines whose job it is just to produce babies that's one thousand wives i'm thinking three birthdays per day on average it's a big task well he's got a thousand wives and we read in first kings 1 14 11 4 as solomon grew old his wives turned his heart after other gods their their idols that they brought with them after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of his, the heart of David his father has been. Solomon did evil, we read in the eyes of the Lord. The consequence was that his life, which formerly had been meaningful and fulfilling, now became meaningless and empty and a vapor. Now, out of guilt or shame or plain willfulness, he did not return to God, but he continued in his idolatry, and the emptiness of his of his of his life just just grew and grew. Now, the loss of God's fellowship from our lives through sin is a terrible thing. You 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 go, you take yourself into a lonely place. Our land, we hear so much about getting together and doing. Our land is. It's full of lonely, lonely people who, who just firstly don't know the love of God. Loneliness is terrible. Well, point three, Solomon seeking ha- happiness. People being kind of willful and self-oriented just want to live a godless life. They don't, don't give this God thing to me. Uh, people want to live a godless life but they can't live with the meaninglessness of a godless life see solomon says in ecclesiastes three eleven, god has put eternity in every man every person's heart there is eternity in our heart it means this that we we have been hardwired we have been created for a, a lifetime of worship with god acknowledging god as lord and living for him that is what we have been created for it's there in our hearts from, from the, the get-go jesus himself said the greatest commandment of all is this to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself that is what we we are meant to do that is that's that is where we are at home the 17th century christian philosopher Blaise pascal said that people deal with the meaninglessness of their lives in two ways you observe by distraction And by diversion. By distraction he means that people on many occasions just don't even want to think about the state of the world or the state of their hearts. It's too uncomfortable thinking about those things. Just ignore them. Distraction. He says, All the wars in the world begin with men who cannot stand to be alone in their own rooms. That's a thought to think about on a rainy afternoon, isn't it? all the wars in the world begin with men who cannot stand to be alone in their own rooms under how Vladimir Putin gets on when he's alone by himself so rather than think about things which if you think about things very seriously it just might lead you home to God people indulge in diversions there's a metaphoric hole in our hearts without God and so we try to plug the hole by putting stuff in there stuff into that space we do things we start wars we soak ourselves in pleasure we try to accomplish things we make money we live for our electronic devices we live for sport we hope that something somewhere will provide us with the meaning and purpose that we crave but it doesn't these things are not necessarily wrong in themselves but they won't furnish you with that satisfaction that only fellowship with god can give well solomon says his life felt meaningless as he turned away from God and he turned to idolatry so he tried things having fallen away from God he he has this hole this pain in his heart and he tries to stuff things into that space he tells us what he tried he said I tried pleasure now he doesn't specify just what he means but he did have 1,000 wives and concubines but in terms of pleasure filling the vacuum in his heart he said was meaningless it was vapor one of the sad things about solomon's life he never really knew the love of a woman he had concubines to, to, to everywhere but was there anybody who loved him and who he he could love no see he he missed that well it wasn't working in terms of finding meaning he said he said he tried drinking he says somewhere that uh, you know a glass of wine gladdens the heart and it does so he figured that if one glass of wine gladdens the heart then lots more would probably gladden you even more and while one glass may gladden the heart lots more may actually kill your heart so it wasn't working for him he found that that uh, drunkenness did not help him forget his despair Uh, it left him depressed it wrecked his health and probably left him regretting things that he'd done and said when he was drunk it wasn't working for him then he thought that work might be the ultimate fulfillment as clint was saying a couple of weeks ago there's a there's a downside to work in the genesis 3 world yes we have been created to work but we've got to keep that work and kind of uh, uh, life in balance get that work life balance uh, very hard to keep it in balance work can very easily dominate us so some people as a as a diversion From thinking about life and death, they they bury themselves in work like Solomon did. And he says in chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Well, as it turns out, the man he gave the kingdom to was a fool, just as he predicted. Work did not provide Solomon with That satisfaction he craved. He poured himself into building projects. He built palaces and vineyards and parks and gardens and fruit groves and reservoirs and stables for his war horses. You can still see the ruins of some of them today. Fortifications. And probably, like people today, he may even have named them after himself. I don't know. But the truth was, if he was honest, and he was an honest man, he would know that. These things would live on, but he would not. This was not the way to peace and contentment and, and immortality. Then he thought that possessions would bring contentment. You know it, how it works today, get all this stuff. I look at the ads on TV for things that I can buy and, and I'd have three, three sheds to put them all in and no time to use them. Well, he channeled the very popular 1980s bumper stick he who dies with the most toys wins now Solomon was very very rich and he could buy whatever he wanted and he tells us what he bought he said and he he goes straight for the top I bought male and female slaves he bought people I had flocks and herds choirs orchestras And, of course, you read about the mountains of silver and the mountains of gold that he had, and, of course, there are those thousand wives that are just mere possessions. He said, I denied myself nothing, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, everything was meaningless and a chasing after the wind. See, being a thinking chap, he realized that he who dies with the most toys still dies not helping so he searched for meaning under the sun and meaning under the sun means in this world without god he searched for meaning under the sun just kind of went on it was going nowhere and he realized that death was coming to him it always does he has these um rather beautiful metaphors for aging and death doesn't he in, in chapter 12 i, I love these He talks about the days coming when before the sun and moon and the stars are darkened. Oh, we can't see quite so well anymore. And the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the, the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, we're losing our teeth. And those who look through the windows, your taste buds are dimmed. And the doors to the street are shut when the sound of grinding is low and one rises up, you can't sleep, you're up at the sound of the birds, and so it goes on. And I'm thinking as I get into my 70s, I can hear you, Solomon, I'm with you, I get you. You're not kidding. (laughs) This is real stuff. And so it goes on until the silver cord is broken. Well, okay, those lovely metaphors for, for aging and death. Well, point four, Solomon comes home. Look, I'm very happy to tell you that Solomon does come home. He comes back to the faith of his fathers, faith in God, his sins forgiven in in the Lord Jesus Christ who had come into the world about 2,000 years later. He's saved by the, the, the covenant, life, death and resurrection of Christ. He comes home late, but not too late that he can't warn us. Do not waste your life on futile activities, trying to find meaning in all the wrong places remember your creator in the days of your youth before the the evil days come and the years draw near of which you'll say i find no pleasure in them jesus says seek first the kingdom of god first seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you meaning simply this that put god first in your life through receiving jesus christ as lord and apply his teachings to your life that is it and ultimately solomon does and he's at content and he's at peace point five have you come home to god last week our our singing group was at regis down at kaluan and i i taught this very same verse uh, in a bible talk there remember your creator in the days of your youth now can you see a problem with teaching that verse to people in an aged care home i look around the room and uh, looking at myself as well there by by australia's definition there is not one youth in the room There's a problem well the solomon attend intend us to remember only when we're In our youth is that the only time you can remember god no no the interesting this word youth it's it's the way you would translate translate the hebrew word youth but it doesn't actually refer most often to your age it talks more about your state of being in other words where you are on the great scheme of things now as i told the folk in the uh in the, the aged care home you will never be younger than you are today relative to what's ahead of you you are a youth and you here today relative to what's ahead of you all of us are youths today so in solomon's warning there's a sense of kind of immediacy he was saying remember god today put god first in your life now you know how it's very kind of a cool to say today is the first day of the rest of your life actually that's what he's saying here today is the first day of the rest of your life you're a youth today today is a time to receive christ as lord there'll be hard years ahead and putting god first now will help you to prepare for for you to trust in him even in those times when you might say i find no pleasure in them in times when your faith will be tested and tried there's a trendy saying in some christian circles these days believe in God because he believes in you it sounds very cool and it appeals to our pride I'm somebody because God doesn't you know God needs me but actually it's not true the very opposite is true God does not believe in me because he doesn't trust me he knows me too well Jeremiah 17 verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it it doesn't sound like god believes in me but solomon does say remember god because god remembers you he sees you remember god and then he also he says follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see but know that for all things god will bring you into judgment see remember god because god remembers you he sees what you're doing ecclesiastes 3 again says god has set eternity in the hearts of men yet no one can fathom what god has done from beginning to end see we have that that longing that 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 desire in our hearts to know god but it's not happening why not because there's a a missing factor which no one can fathom unless it's explained to us we see we we owe god a debt that god will bring you into judgment for all the things you do and say we owe god a debt and that debt's got to be settled before we can know god before that god-shaped vacuum in our hearts is filled remember god because god remembers us he sees us he sees everything we do and that includes our offenses against him our sins and we all have them a beautiful verse about in that song this morning about our sins but how great is god as as a forgiver of sins John Newton said, I've learnt that I am a great sinner, but that Jesus Christ is an even greater saviour. That is what is so crucial. He sees all that we do. So to be fully restored to fellowship with God, to have that vacuum in our hearts filled, our sin must be judged and receive its due penalty. You've got two options. Option A, option B. Option A is you can pay for your own sins. It will take you an eternity. That means an eternity separated from God. That is bad. Or you can receive Jesus as your Lord, and He will pay for your sins on the cross. He takes your penalty, He gives you His righteousness, and we call it justification by faith. God doesn't believe in you, God loves you. Though He knows all about you, He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for you that you might be reunited to Him. So receive Jesus as Lord, and the transaction is done. You're forgiven immediately restored the fellowship with God forever. That's a very simple choice. Have you taken that step? Have you received Jesus Christ as Lord? Remember God in the days of your youth. And for all of us, that is today. You will never be more youthful than you are today. Today, we are all youths. Remember your Creator thank you father again for the the uh, testimony of solomon who takes us into the dark places where he was showed us how he emerged and leaves us advice that he would urge us to follow thank you lord god that we have the opportunity to repent while we're here we're young enough to do that and believe father and so may our hearts be turned to you lord god in jesus name Indeed, God has uh, shown us that we have an assurance of salvation.